Well, hello, Vaughn Forest Church. Welcome to our online worship gathering. We're so glad that you're joining us today. I wanted to let you know up top that we actually recorded this on Saturday night. Our worship team, our tech team came up here to record this because we wanted to make sure we didn't run into any glitches with our technology with a quote unquote live worship experience on Sunday morning. So we're so glad that our team of volunteers and grateful for them to give up their Saturday evening uh, so that we could create this online worship experience for you. But Sunday, March 15th, has been declared a national day of prayer by our president. And we could think of no better way to start our worship gathering today than by pausing and taking a moment to seek the heart of God, our Heavenly Father, through prayer. So I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer in just a moment to ready our hearts for worship, but also to call on God to heal, bring about healing in our community, bring about healing in our nation, bring about healing in our world. So can I ask you, wherever you are gathered right now, joining us online, to join me as we go to God in prayer. And so God, we come to you in this unique time asking for a unique move of your hand. God, not just here in our community, but in our nation. God, not just in our nation, but in our world. God, we know that you are a healer. God, we know you can bring about healing. And Lord, there are many right now who are in need of healing. But God, we know that ultimately the healing that is needed can only be found through your son, Jesus Christ. And so Lord, our greater prayer is that during this time, people's hearts will be turned towards you in a way where they seek out your son, Jesus Christ. Because Lord, we know that because of what Jesus accomplished, we don't fear sickness, we don't fear death. We stand in the power of the resurrection. So Lord, as we approach you right now together as a church family, scattered yet united together, Lord, we say we stand on that promise. We stand in that truth. So Lord, as we approach you and as we worship you today, Lord, we're asking you to meet with us, to anoint this time with your presence so that we can experience you in a very real way. For it's in your son, Jesus' name, that we pray all of these things. Amen.
See you. 
Yes and amen, I 
stand on the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you that we can meet with you today. Lord, we thank you for meeting with us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. As I said earlier, so grateful to our worship team for being here to lead us in this online worship gathering, this online worship experience. And man, what a week it has been. I mean, seriously, a week ago, if anyone had told us that we would have the week that we've just had, we would have shaking our heads and said, wow, what would that be like? And yet, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of uh, stories that would change and, and news that would be reported, and then you know, all of that, we're reminded that our God stays the same, that our God is constant, that our God is sovereign, and in fact, our God is in control. And so we stand in that, we rest in that, and uh, we gather today. You know, the church for centuries has gathered and scattered at the same time, but it's only now through this technology that we have that we can actually gather while being scattered. And a lot of times technology gets a bad rap, and certainly we can see that it's used for destructive things from time to time, but isn't it awesome when technology can be used for the glory of God. And it's a reminder that we're really blessed as a church. You know, there's lots of churches that may not have technology available where they're able to gather like we are uh, through that. And so we're really grateful. And I wanted to let you know of a couple things before I jump into the message today, just to kind of communicate and make sure we're all on the same page as much as possible. We have made the decision that we are doing online services only for uh, this Sunday, as well as next Sunday. And so next Sunday, same drill, we will have our online service at 9.30 and 11 a.m. And uh, then we'll be making decisions uh, beyond uh, next Sunday when we feel like we have the information to be able to do that. And we'll certainly uh, share that with you through all of our lines of communication. But there are a couple things uh, this week that I wanted to make you aware of. One, uh, we have closed our offices this week, uh, but all of our staff, we're still working. Uh, We still um, are communicating with one another. Uh, Most of us are pretty active on social media if you need to get a hold of us. Um, All of us are active on our email addresses, which are posted on our website at vaughnforest.com. So even though we won't physically be up here at the office, we're still uh, doing business as usual. So if you have any questions, you have anything you need to find out from one of our pastors or staff, Uh, feel free to let us know. Um, Our Vaughn Forest Preschool was already uh, scheduled to be closed this week because of spring break. Uh, But then, as we found out yesterday, all of the schools for the state are going to be closed, not just for this week, uh, but for the next two weeks as well. And so our preschool uh, will be closed for the following two weeks after this spring break. And so that uh, leaves us with a couple things I wanted to let you know about uh, to celebrate. One, Uh, We have a lot of staff who serve here during the week at our church and do a lot of things uh, behind the scenes that uh, you may not even see like what they do. We just benefit from what they do. And even though our office will be closed, we'll still be paying them their normally hourly uh, wage so that they will be able to, you know, make sure that their needs are met with their own family. And then the same thing with our preschool teachers. Even though the preschool will be closed after this week, our preschool teachers will still be paid as if they were here. And we're going to make sure that we continue to take steps of generosity with those who rely on um, income that they you know, get from the church. You know, what's interesting about a, a season like this is we say things every week like Vaughn Forest is more than what just happens on Sundays at our Sunday gatherings. But, you know, when you go through kind of a unique time like this, In a very real way, it reminds us of that, that there are things that happen that are tied to Vaughn Forest Church literally every day of the week, and not just here in our community, but literally all around the world as well. And so even though we aren't physically meeting under one roof on Sundays, 
We are continuing to carry forward in the mission and in the vision that Jesus has called us to as a local church. And so all of those things are still happening. So we have missionaries that we're continuing to support. We have missions organizations we're continuing to support. We continue to be in contact with everyone here locally in our community. And I say all of that to say this. If there was ever a time, Vaughn Forrest, those of us who call Vaughn Forrest home, to make sure we are stepping up with our levels of generosity, now is the time. In fact, I wanna go so far as to issue a challenge to our entire family, that even though we may not be physically meeting together on Sundays, let's not let that become an excuse for a lull in our giving, a lull in our generosity, because, see, here's what I know is gonna happen over the next several weeks and over the next several months. There are going to be very real needs that are brought to our attention, needs here locally, needs here in our nation, as well as needs all over the world. And Vaughn Forest Church has always been a church marked by generosity, a church that others knew when they were in need they could go to, and Vaughn Forest would be quick to say yes. And I wanna challenge our church family to make sure that we continue to be that type of church. Many of you are already incredibly generous. Many of you already give online. But maybe you haven't taken that step yet. Maybe your giving is still tied to your Sunday worship attendance. Now is the time to go ahead and move your giving over to online. Now, we have several convenient options. If you've never tried this before, I want to challenge you this week, since we're not meeting on Sundays, to give it a shot. So first option, vonforest.com. It's really simple. You go to our website, you click on the giving tab, and it'll walk you through the steps. It's simple to set up a gift. You can use your debit card. You could use a checking account routing number if, if that's what you'd be more comfortable with. It's a really simple way to give. We also have an app that we just rolled out about six weeks ago. Many of you have already downloaded the app. The app is a tool that you can use to give. You can also text to give. So we have a number that you would just text Vaughn Forrest, all one word, to the number 77977. So perhaps you would prefer to give that way. These are all simple ways to be obedient in your giving. And let me also say that if you haven't done this already, it's a good time to set up your gift in an automated way where it's recurring. Now, some of you can't do that, I understand, but if you're paid on a consistent basis, maybe you get paid on the 1st and the 15th of each month, through all of those you know, means that I just mentioned, whether it's our website or our app or texting to give, you have the option to not only just give one time, but to choose to allow that to be a recurring gift, and then you choose the dates that the recurring gift would be withdrawn from your checking account. And again, what this does is our financial office, and they do a fantastic job of managing uh, the church's resources under Hardy Sellers' leadership, one of our pastors here on the team. What that allows our financial office to do is be able to get a good idea of how things are going to come in the future with our giving. So if we know there's X number of recurring givers, then we're able to anticipate. Now here's where that gets really practical, when those needs come to our attention. Over the next several weeks, over the next several months, it gives us an idea of what we can go ahead and say yes to. So again, unique challenges also produce unique opportunities and so while we may be facing the challenge of not physically being together, the unique opportunity is we can actually step into greater levels of generosity, again, through technology and all the things we've been blessed with as a church. So I want to challenge you to take this week and, and use this week as an opportunity to really step up and do that. Now, as far as teaching, what we've been doing here on Sundays for the last couple weeks is a teaching series called Hashtag Disciplined for Godliness. We're in week three today, so we've already had two messages. If you missed either one of those messages, they're on our website, vaughnforest.com. You're going to have some time this week, so maybe you want to go back and watch those messages and kind of get caught back up. But what we've been doing in this series is taking a look at the classic spiritual disciplines, the classic spiritual habits, classic spiritual practices, that when we put them into practice, they grow us in godliness. This passage we've been using comes from Paul's letter to Timothy, where he says, Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So we've said a couple of things in this series so far. One, we've said this series is not about discipline for discipline's sake. Sometimes if you make discipline the point, you can end up uh, with a disciplined sense of pride, you know, when it comes to our walk with the Lord. So that's not really the point. The, the other point is that the disciplines themselves, they're not really the point. They're a means to an end. These are simply the ways that God's given us that we can connect with him. And, and what we've said is that when we grow in our godliness through these disciplines, two things happen. One 
it deepens our relationship with God, but then two, it allows others to experience more of Jesus when they experience us. And that's challenging, that ultimately other people are the ones who get to determine whether or not we're actually growing in our spiritual faith and our spiritual walk with the Lord. And so we've looked at a couple of disciplines so far. Week one, we talked about prayer and fasting and how Jesus preached on prayer and fasting on the Sermon on the Mount and how those are disciplines that when we put them into practice will connect us with the heart of the Father. Last week, we talked about the Bible and how the Bible is God's word. And the reason why we can say it's God's word is because it's God's words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And now we have God's word. And these are simply... Uh, tools. These are simply practices that when we use them, they produce godliness. And then one last thing I've tried to stress in this series is that you, you can be creative with how you try these. So maybe someone's told you how to pray or they've told you how to read the Bible. You tried that way. It didn't work. That's okay. That's probably a reflection that your personality might have been a little different than, than their personality. So there are a number of different ways we can go about putting these practices into practice. And so if you've tried one and it didn't work, don't get discouraged, don't quit. Maybe just try a different approach. And so today, the practice that we're gonna talk about is actually solitude. And maybe in only God's sovereign way, as I planned this teaching series months ago, this was the Sunday to talk about the, the practice, the classic discipline of solitude. And it's pretty timely because we're gonna have some time over the next a week or two to maybe be alone a little bit more than we've been in the past. But I want to say up top that solitude and loneliness actually aren't the same thing. In fact, the title of today's message is Being Alone Without Being Alone. And so solitude and being alone aren't the same thing. In fact, the big idea for the message today is this. It's only when we get alone that we realize we are not alone. So how do you be alone without being alone? Well, you recognize the difference between solitude and being alone, solitude and loneliness, that it's only when we get alone that we realize we are not alone. So we have to get alone. That's an action. Being alone isn't something that we just naturally want to do. In fact, loneliness is one of the things that we try to avoid. And yet when we go into solitude, when we have silence. I'll be using solitude and silence a lot kind of synonymously today. But when we get alone with God, our Heavenly Father, here's what we recognize. We are actually never alone. That one of God's greatest promises in his word is his presence, that we're never alone. And yet it takes us being disciplined enough to be alone to recognize that we are not alone. You ever be around people and they just kind of seem to have this awareness of God's presence, maybe at a heightened level? Might I suggest it's because they spend a lot of time alone with God. And when they get alone with God, they draw strength and they draw power from recognizing that we are actually, in fact, never alone. Now, what's good for us is that Jesus, our Savior, modeled this for us. That when Jesus was on earth during his three years of public ministry, from time to time, he would get alone in silence and solitude with God, his heavenly father. Let me read your verse from Luke's gospel that describes this to us. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You say, well, was it you know, every morning? Was it every night? How many times a day? Luke doesn't give us that detail. Luke just says often. So Luke's just letting us know this was a normal practice of Jesus, that he, with, with, he would withdraw. He would go to be alone with God, his heavenly Father. So before I kind of jump into maybe like some practical applications for us today about silence, about solitude, I think it begs the question, like, why is Jesus doing this? Like, why is Jesus seeking out time to be alone with God, his heavenly Father? And it's a good question to ponder because Jesus was both fully God and fully man. Like Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was God's own son. And we see Jesus doing all of these incredible things while he's here on earth. Like, why is he going to spend time with God? Why is he seeking out solitude? Why is he praying to God, his heavenly father? And so I wanna unpack that just briefly because I think it's important for us to be reminded of some, some pretty amazing things that are happening with Jesus. I wanna take you to a passage in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter two, Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi. And in Philippians chapter two, Paul gives us, in my opinion, the clearest passage in scripture that answers the question, why is Jesus seeking out time to be alone with God, his heavenly father? So let me read this passage to you, maybe spend some time unpacking it. Philippians two, verses five 
through 7, Paul says, "...have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself." Key phrase. "...taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men." So Paul says Jesus emptied himself. So theologians for thousands of years have debated what was Jesus emptying himself of? Because if Jesus emptied himself of anything that made him God, he's no longer God. So how does all of that work? So God has divine attributes. There are three specifically, okay? God's omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence. Those are really fancy words for saying how God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present, his divine attributes. Jesus, being both fully God and fully man, also possessed these three divine attributes, all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful. So when Paul says that Jesus emptied himself, he's not saying that Jesus emptied himself from the divine attributes. Because if Jesus empties himself from those, he's no longer God. And and this passage has unfortunately been misinterpreted a lot over the years where people would mistakenly draw that conclusion that that Jesus was somehow emptying himself from these divine attributes. It's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is that Jesus emptied himself from the independent use of these divine attributes. Independent use of the divine attributes. What do I mean by that? So at all times, Jesus still obtained and possessed his ability to be all-present, all-powerful, and all-knowing, and yet out of humility, he emptied himself from the independent use of these. So practically, here's what that means. Anytime in Jesus's life we see him being all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, and Jesus healed people, and Jesus performed miracles, and those would involve being all-present, all-powerful, and all-knowing, there's something pretty significant happening. See, Jesus was really clear in his earthly ministry that he only did the will of the Father. So Jesus is doing what God is telling him to do. And at Jesus' baptism, something pretty significant happened. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, baptizes him. And when Jesus comes out of the water, God speaks from heaven and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then scripture says that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. Sometimes the Trinity can be confusing. We serve a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You say, well, where do we see that in Scripture? Might I suggest that the clearest place for us to see the Trinity in Scripture is Jesus' three years of public ministry, that Jesus is only doing the will of the Father, what God tells him. But as Jesus is doing that, because he's emptied himself of the independent use of being all-present, all-powerful, and all-knowing, he's doing the will of the Father through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus' three years of public ministry is a perfect picture of how the Trinity works together. And so doesn't it make sense then why Jesus sought out time to be alone with his Father? That he was only doing what the Father told him, and Jesus knew that in times of silence and solitude with his Father, he would hear his Father's voice clearly, and then through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, be able to obey the will of the Father. Now, clearly... That doesn't translate exactly to our lives. I mean, we're talking about Jesus and what he accomplished for us with his death on the cross and defeating then sin and death through the resurrection. But it's interesting that the pattern Jesus followed of hearing the Father's voice and then being empowered by the Holy Spirit, while our lives are certainly not the same as Jesus, the pattern is true for us as well that we too can seek out the voice of God, our Heavenly Father, and then as we seek to obey it, not in our strength, but rather through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can do the will of the Father to the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ's name. So what I want to do for the rest of the message is I want to share with you four benefits. Because I think that it's hard to recognize how silence and solitude could actually be something that would produce benefits in our lives. And so I want to share four very practical benefits that as we put silence and solitude into practice in our life, I think it'll produce these benefits and draw us closer to God, the Heavenly Father. So here's the first one. Solitude and silence help me know God better. That when I practice solitude and silence, I know God better. Now, I didn't say no about God. I said, no God. I love this verse, Psalm 46, 10. He says, the he in the verse is God. So God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. 
that there is a direct correlation between being still and knowing God. Now, this flies in the face of how we're wired, right? I mean, none of us like to be still. We're on the move. We're on the go. We like to have, you know, 15 different things going at the same time. We've got all of our technology and all these different kind of things. And listen, I'm the same way. So I'm not trying to say that like speaking negatively. It's difficult for us to be still. And yet, we're in a unique time. And might I challenge you that as you find yourself maybe at home and maybe kids saying, hey, I'm bored, I need more things to do, that we seize this opportunity to maybe recapture the art of being still, physically being still, mentally focusing our mind, meditating on God's word, stilling our hearts. See, being still and knowing God in silence and solitude cooperates with the things we've already talked about, seeking God out through prayer, seeking God out through the reading of his word. And there's a difference between knowing God and simply learning more about God, knowing more about God. Knowing about God and knowing God aren't the same thing. And yet when we're still, somehow supernaturally, it's one of the ways that we grow to know God. So what does it mean to know God more? If it doesn't mean that I know more about God, like what does that mean? That's a good question. And, and maybe the best way I could think of it would be like if you were to go on a romantic getaway with your spouse. Now, if it's been a little while since you've been on a romantic getaway with your spouse, maybe while you're sitting around you know, at home, you know, sequestered, secluded, maybe you could plan something on the calendar and that might be a fun little romantic getaway. But let's just say my wife Morgan and I, we're gonna go on a little romantic getaway for a weekend and we come back. Like, and you say, hey, how was it? And I was like, it's great. We really had a good time. Like, you would probably think, okay, cool. But like, you probably wouldn't say, well, what are some new things you learned about Morgan? That'd be kind of a weird question. And what would be stranger is if I answered it. And I was like, well, you know, I'm glad you asked. Like, she told me about like this third cousin that I never knew lives in Alaska. Really weird. It's like, that's not what you do in a romantic getaway. You don't learn new fun facts about each other. You grow in your love and in your intimacy and in knowing one another. And in a way, that's what happens with God, that we don't necessarily know, learn more about God, but the intimacy grows in the relationship at a heart level when we are still. So first benefit, you're going to know God better when you incorporate silence and solitude into your life. Number two, solitude and silence help me hear God more clearly, hear God more clearly. Now, last week I talked about God's word. The clearest way to hear from God is to read God's word. That God's word, again, is made up of God's words. But God also speaks at a heart level. And this can be mysterious. And this can be something that we don't often really know. Like, how do we figure that out? And I really want to hear God's voice in my life. I want to take you to a passage of scripture that I think is really, really interesting. It's from the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament because you get passages like this where God does some pretty unique things. You're like, wow, like, you know, what, what are we supposed to get from that? So in this passage from 1 Kings, God shows up and speaks to his prophet Elijah, but he does so in a way that gives us a little bit of insight into how God speaks. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. It's kind of a longer passage, so hang with me. The Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Can you imagine like seeing all of this, like mountains being torn apart, fires, earthquakes? And what God's trying to get Elijah to see is that my voice isn't in the big and isn't in the spectacular. My voice is in the whisper. But here's the most intriguing, amazing part of this passage. God is trying to help Elijah see that my voice is in this still, small, quiet whisper. But like God had just audibly spoken to Elijah. I mean, earlier in the passage, it says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain. So God audibly speaks to Elijah. Elijah hears God's voice, but then God takes Elijah to a place where he's trying to get Elijah to hear his voice in a different way. He said, what does that mean to us? Might I suggest that the correlation for us is the difference between God's word and discerning God's voice through the Holy Spirit. 
God's word is spoken to us clearly, just like God spoke clearly to Elijah when he said, go out by the mountain. So when we read God's word, it's clear, and we are called to obey it. It's only when Elijah went and obeyed what God had been clearly saying to him that he was able to see how God wanted to take him to a deeper place to hear this more quiet whisper. And might I suggest the same is true in our lives. That is, we obey what God has already spoken clearly on in Scripture. It puts us in a place. It gives our heart the right posture to more clearly hear that quiet voice, that whisper that he speaks to us. And one of the things I want to challenge you to during this week, during this time, a unique season, is to seek out times of solitude where you desire to hear more clearly God's whisper. There's a lot of resources that you can use to help make this possible. You say, what do I mean? Well, people who can teach God's word. In fact, one of the things we're going to try to do is give you tools while you're at home over the next several weeks that you can use in your own personal walk with the Lord, maybe as an entire family with a devotion. Many of you already use something called Right Now Media. If you don't, Right Now Media is like a Christian Netflix. There's all different types of uh, video series for adults and for kids. If you don't already have an account with Right Now Media, this week you need to go to vaughnforce.com and you need to click on Right Now Media and you need to go ahead and set that up. We've paid as a church for an unlimited amount of use for people who call Vaughn Forest home. So it's already there for you to use. And so there's a lot of really good things maybe you could point your, your kids in. I mean, you can only watch Disney Plus so many times this week. I get it. I'm a big fan of Disney Plus. But maybe having Right Now Media as well, your kids could watch something where they learn some biblical truth. Maybe you've got some teenagers at home. Like there's a really good study on Right Now Media about the archaeology uh, behind the life of Joseph that's been discovered in Egypt. And I think they'll really be intrigued by it. There's also some studies on marriage. There's different Bible studies. There's lots of different things that you could maybe look into. And, and, and this will kind of help drive some of that time this week. And maybe you look at it. Maybe you spend some time in prayer. But I wanted to draw your attention to one specific study that fits kind of what we're talking about today. The, the study is called Whisper, and it's by a pastor named Mark Batterson. Maybe you've heard of him before. He's written a number of great books. He pastors National Community Church in Washington, D.C. He's a great man of God. He's a great pastor. I highly recommend anything that, that, that he has written. But he put together this little video series. It's on Right Now Media. There are four 10 to 12-minute sessions where he's literally talking about what we just said. Like, how do you hear and discern God's whisper. And so as, as you maybe try to look for that this week, I wanted to you know, let you see kind of what you're looking for. So there's about a little 60 second trailer that kind of shows you what this study is about by Mark Batterson. And I wanted to show you that trailer today so you know what to look for on Right Now Media. So take a look at this. All of us have problems, relational problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems. But those problems are really symptoms. The root problem is ears that have been deafened to the voice of God. And if you can't hear God's voice, you can't sing God's song and your life will be off key. Does God speak audibly? Absolutely. But that's a thin slice of his vocal range. Now, when someone speaks in a whisper, you have to get very close to hear them. We lean into a whisper, and that's what God wants. The goal of hearing the Heavenly Father's voice isn't just hearing His voice. It's intimacy with Him. He wants to be as close to you as possible. Why? So you don't just hear His voice, you hear His heart. God is speaking. The question is, are we listening, and is He the loudest voice in our lives? So I think that'll be a really good study that you'll enjoy this week as you seek to hear God's voice. But again, solitude and silence are going to be solitude and solitude and silence, if I can say that, are going to be the way that you more clearly hear God's voice. All right, let me give you the third benefit. Solitude and silence help me when I am not experiencing solitude and silence. And isn't that the truth? I mean, if only our lives were as simple as being spent in solitude and silence. And yet we know that's not what we were created for. We were created for relationships with one another. We're going to talk about that next Sunday um, in the message. I encourage you again to check back in with us online as I share that message. But times of silence and solitude set us up better for the rest of our life. And I mean, my goodness, doesn't this week remind us how little we can actually predict what our lives are going to look like? 
I mean, as I said earlier, if you told any of us a week ago that this is how this week would have looked, we would have never seen that coming. And yet God is sovereign. Yet God knows the days of our lives. And what God wants to do is give us supernatural power in our times of silence and solitude with him so that when we face the rest of our life, we will have his strength. I mean, listen, maybe you've got young kids at home. The idea of silence in your home is an impossibility. I mean, my, my boys are a little older now, and so, you know, it's a little easier. But, man, when they were little, like really little, it just wasn't going to happen. And so I had to start waking up a little earlier, you know, to, to make sure I had that time. And you may find yourself trying to make that adjustment as well. But the benefit was the strength that gave me in all of the other areas of my life. Now, again, back to Jesus. I talked about him earlier. I find it really interesting that the times that Jesus spent in solitude and silence, they, they were usually right around some other times that he was doing some pretty significant things. So Matthew chapter 14, there are two times in Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus withdraws to meet with God as heavenly father. I wanna read a couple of the verses that mentions one of those times and I want you to pay attention to what's happening all around this time that Jesus is spending time alone with God. So Matthew chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. It says, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. All right, there's a lot going on there. The passage starts by telling us that Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. Maybe you've heard the story. 5,000 people, not even counting the women and the children, Matthew says, and they're hungry. A little guy brings Jesus some loaves of bread, some fish. Jesus prays over them, multiplies them, feeds everybody, okay? So he feeds 5,000 people. He sends his disciples on ahead in a boat, and then Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray. I mean, what better place, right, to go meet with God than on a mountain? So Jesus goes, and he meets with God, and then he comes down from the mountain, and if we were going to continue to read this passage, the very next thing Jesus does is he walks on water, so Jesus feeds 5,000 people. We would go, that's a pretty significant miracle. Jesus is about to walk on water. We would say, that's a pretty significant miracle. What does he do in between both of those? He meets with God, his father alone. And it's interesting to me that at this point in Jesus's life, neither one of those things had ever happened. He'd never fed 5,000 people. He'd never walked on water. And the things that we see Jesus doing in Scripture that we've probably become familiar with, maybe if you were new to the Bible, you've heard, yeah, Jesus fed 5,000 people. I've heard Jesus walked on water. Isn't it interesting what happened in between? Time with God as Heavenly Father. Might I suggest that the solitude that Jesus, the silence that Jesus spent with God as Heavenly Father is what was giving him the guidance. Again, hearing from his Father for the times where he was not in solitude, were the times where he was serving and loving people. And I believe that that principle holds true for us as well. Finally, number four, let me share this with you. Solitude and silence help me find contentment simply from God's presence. Ultimately, I believe this is the goal of solitude and silence. That God gets us to a place where we are content simply with being with him that our contentment comes from God's presence, that our contentment comes not from when God has answered our prayers exactly like we've asked him to, that our contentment doesn't come only when our circumstances are lining up exactly like we would prefer them to. How about this, that our contentment comes even when God is being silent, is it possible in the midst of God's silence to be aware of God's presence? I would say yes. See, people who really love each other, they're comfortable being silent around one another. And, and when you recognize that the presence of God, and when I recognize that it's the presence of God that will ultimately create the contentment for my heart, my heart desires more of God's presence. I mean, there's a verse in the Bible that's always been one of my favorite verses because it's unique, and I think it captures this idea of having an experiential relationship with God. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
You ever had an experience in your life that was so powerful and it was so meaningful that you could almost taste it? That like your senses were just completely like on override? I mean, we know what these moments are like in our life, right? And people ask us to describe these moments and we have no words. I think about all three times when my boys were born and Morgan, my wife, gave birth to all three of our boys. Each one of those experiences, if someone says, describe what that was like, I don't really have a way to describe it. It's such an overwhelming experience. And it's like David saying in Psalm, you know, sometimes there's those times in life where you just taste and see that God is good. And we know what that's like in our lives. I mean, who can describe what it's like, you know, when you have a newborn baby and you watch them grow one week at a time? And I remember all three of our boys, Sam, Jacob, and Henry, all three of them at different times when I would rock them to sleep as an infant, and it's completely quiet, and I'm quiet, and he's quiet, and our eyes are locked on each other, and he's fighting sleep, and he doesn't want to fall asleep, and slowly I'm just watching those little eyes start to roll back into the back of his mind, and then all of a sudden he's drifting off, and he's asleep, and I don't want to put him down, right, because, I mean, it's a moment. It's special. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And we know what that's like with the people we love most. Maybe it is our spouse. Maybe it is our children. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a grandparent. We've walked through significant moments in our lives, and they've marked us. And we know what that's like. And, and, and God created us with those emotions, and God created us with those senses. And for some of us, maybe that, that's a little bit more uncomfortable than it is for others. And yet, might I suggest that being vulnerable and seeking that type of experience with God that would lead our hearts to a place where we are fully content simply from his presence is ultimately the strength we need to get us through these troubled days here on this earth. And Jesus promised us that we would have trouble in this life. And yet God offers us his presence in a way where we taste and see that the Lord is good, in a way where we draw contentment simply from him. Our worship team is going to lead us in one last song today. And I know that we're not gathered in a room like we typically do, but I still want to challenge you to use this time of response as a time to seek out the heart of God. Maybe right where you're seated right now, you want to close your eyes. You want to block out the distractions. Maybe you're watching this as a family. Might I ask that each person just quietly bow their head right now so that there are no distractions in the room that you're in right now, that as we move into this song where we're going to talk about how seeking out time to meet with God and letting God know that we are here again to meet with him is our invitation to God to speak into our lives. It's our way of asking God to pour out his spirit in a way where we sense in a real way, where we taste and see that the Lord is good. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head as I pray over you, and then our team will lead us in this time where we respond together. And so, God, we come to you right now. And Lord, our desire is your presence. God, our desire is to seek your heart in a way where we experience more of you. God, we want to draw our contentment simply from you. God, many of us are seeking you for specific answers to prayers. And God, we continue to pray those prayers because we know you can move. God, many of us are asking for you to change circumstance. God, we've already asked today that you would be a healing God and move in our nation and around the world. But God, what we're declaring right now is your presence is enough, that we want to be content simply from being with you. So God, for these next few moments, as we meet with you in a very real way, meet with us. For it's in your son Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.
Remind us of that this week, each day, as we seek you out. For it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today. As a reminder, we will be offering our online worship gathering at the same time again next Sunday, 9.30 or 11 a.m. Make sure uh, you stay uh, tuned in to all of our social media outlets. We'll be sending out emails uh, to our church family as well. 
this week. Know that we are praying for you. And if you need anything that we can serve you with, again, a new email address, care at vaughnforest.com. You can let us know through that as well. If not, we'll look forward to gathering together as a church family next week online. Until then, have a great week.